Welcome to TLC, The Light Conversations. This is a series about well-being and creativity, and I'm your host, Jada Del Drago. I made the first of this series during the national lockdowns of 2020, when we were shut in our homes for three months in the UK. We were allowed outside once a day to exercise, but we all spent three months tucked away in our homes. And for me, my instinct was I need to document what's going on in the world. I've been a documentary maker since studying film at St. Martin's in, in the late 90s. So uh, audio recording is the easiest way for me now with children to document what's going on. And I jumped right into making this podcast a year ago. I'm coming back at you now with series two, which I'm calling Emerge and Evolve as we come out of this pandemic year into a new normal, whatever that is. I am, for the first series, I was reaching out to um, therapists, healers, teachers, experts in wellness that I have personally worked with or studied with. So it was really helpful for me to speak to these individuals through a tough and challenging time. And I knew that these conversations might be able to help others as well. So this time I'm coming back more focused on creatives and change makers. Um, and uh, I'm really excited today to um, interview Kareen Griffiths, a mindfulness and change consultant and the creator of Calmify. I have recently completed an eight-week mindfulness program working one-to-one with Kareen. So she has been high up on the list of people I wanted to interview for this series. We have a shared passion for music, poetry, culture, and conscious living. And we connected right away through the online platform PR for the People. If you haven't heard about PR for the People yet, it's a gem of an online community for creators to connect share their offerings and expertise, as well as being easily findable for journalists. I was interested in joining Kareen's free eight-week mindfulness program, which was sold out completely full. So instead, she offered me one-to-one sessions, working with her once a week instead. And after an initial consultation about my goals, intentions, we agreed to embark on this journey together for eight weeks, and it really was a journey. My own personal experience with mindfulness as a specific modality or wellness tool began in 2017 at the Brighton Center for Psychotherapy when I signed up for an eight-week MBCT course that stands for Mindfulness-Based Cognitive Therapy. It was a huge game-changer for me, and I often tell people that out of all of my holistic studies, from Reiki to crystals to yoga to shamanism, over the last 20 years, mindfulness has been the simplest and the most useful tool. I've been through a lot mentally during this pandemic year, a mixture of complete overwhelm and shut down autopilot. So I decided a mindfulness refresher was essential. As I emerge personally back out into the world, reconnecting with people in real life, socializing, networking, and working, I felt I needed a reminder on the practical tools for living a mindful life. 
And what does an expert do? They turn to the experts for guidance. So over eight weeks, we worked through the eight mindfulness principles, and each week I was given homework exercises to incorporate into daily life, as well as guided meditations to listen to each day. I can highly recommend the study of mindfulness to everyone listening and would love to see it taught to young people in schools and universities. I imagine a world where mindful living is the norm and how differently we would all be relating to each other if we had these tools. There would certainly be more love, kindness, and acceptance in the world. And that is the world I want to live in. And that is the world I wish for my children to grow up in. So for now, I'll be the change I want to see. And I hope you find a way to connect with this information too. Welcome, Corrine Griffiths. Let's start with the eight principles of mindfulness. What is mindfulness? What is it and and what are the eight principles? Okay, so um, let's keep it simple because I think um, that's what we want to try and do with mindfulness is try and keep what it is simple. Um, And that is about being in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So it's actually just being in the now and knowing how we do that, being in the now, and doing that without judgment, as said by John Kabat-Zinn. And um, the the principles or the lessons, um, it's just about a way of thinking about how we can live, really. The lessons of trusting more curiosity, patience, non-striving. So we use those, and those are a handful, to talk about how we can be mindful, but with that sort of... um, mindset, thinking about how we can live those attitudes, those lessons, and how we can apply those to our, you know, daily life, basically. Yeah, I mean, when you spell it out like that, it sounds quite simple. So why is it so challenging to embrace mindfulness and, and, and shift? I mean, from my own personal experience, so many blocks come up, even with a real longing and willingness to like, embrace this way of being why is it so difficult well well, we're not ever taught to be still really Mm -hmm. in life we're taught to do things we're taught to do things but we're programmed to do things our minds our bodies are programmed to do things so we're not the balance sometimes can be a little bit off in the sense of we are programmed our life you know information all of that stuff is out at sort of time things that we need to do in our life time but we're never really kind of shown in life in any capacity, in any way to kind of be still. Any time where we be still is going to bed and you have no choice to be still because you're going to sleep. <laughs> so it's not, it's not, I would say it's not a natural way of life um, to, be, to, to be still for moments of time and actually be present. We're just, you know, bomb. I can't say bombarded because it's not the same for everybody. It can be quite sort of overwhelming to have all the things that we have to do, get up, you know, go to work, if you have a family, you have 
you know, busy job or whatever it may be. They're all things that we have to do. And it's just about really finding those moments of calm within, within that. Right. So um, what, what would you say is like a very immediate, fast track way to find a moment of calm? I would say mindfulness, I'll say, always say from the back, mindfulness is not a fast track um, way of life. That's the whole premise of how we're always taught to live, is fast track, get there quickly and then everything's going to be all right. But then you'll just put something else in front of you, of you to do. So what I would probably say is there are moments in our day that we can just be still. Moments where, like having a shower, where we, when we're in the shower, we watch how that water lands on us. We feel how that water feels when we're having that shower or if you're having a drink, how you drink that drink, drinking it slowly, savoring that moment. You know, these are all things that are in our day anyway, and it's just giving you that opportunity to be still um, or to slow that down and really observe. It's using your senses in all of these things. And the more that we use our senses, the more that we're connected to our body and the more that we have an opportunity to be calm in that. Yes, beautiful. And as you say that, I'm going to take a very conscious sip of water and notice hmm, how it tastes kind of sweet and it's kind of cold. And the glass I'm holding is really beautiful and I wish I had one at home. And I wish I'd brought my Comify glass in today too for this. But it tastes differently when I notice it. It tastes differently. Whereas if yeah. I... Yeah. yeah. And it's also just noticing it, but not judging it, going, it tastes better, it tastes this, because again, we always then a label. Yeah. It is what it is. We're just drinking the water in this present moment, and it doesn't have to be anything else. And I think we're just always used to, now I'm doing this, it means this. Now I'm doing that, it means this. I'm always trying to do that as opposed to, you might drink that water and it might not taste as great as, as before. That's fine. You're just being present with the water. And that's all it is. You're just naming it for what it is as opposed to what we judge it to be, what we think it should be. So it does take practice to just see things for what it is. But when you get used to doing that more, you start to see how it presents itself in conversations with people, especially if you're having meetings with people and you go in and you might be thinking about how it's all going to be. But if you actually see things for what it is, you're decisions become better your focus becomes better and you're able to respond better um if we if we go in and we're ready to label everything and then it doesn't go the way we think it's going to go we we can sometimes pull that like stress button and start to get anxious and try to react to what's happening because it's not what we think it should be as opposed to what it is Mm. I mean, even hearing you talk about that makes me feel like my, my body's like relaxing just hearing about like living in that way which also makes me aware that there's so much tension around knowing understanding achieving like it, it creates such a physical tension in our body that this this mindful way of living is definitely a more relaxed way of being with life I think one point where I was feeling challenged with it which we discussed was was the topic of like ambition and goal setting and how does that work mindfully because in a way by um by being more with what is 
there and this is something I've always kind of like through yoga been like oh I have difficulty with it I want to accept what is but I still want to set goals and achieve things so how can one achieve goals mindfully (laughs) (laughs) Um, goals are fine there's nothing wrong with goals there is nothing wrong with striving what mindfulness is giving you the opportunity to do is to have some areas in your life where you're not striving you know it's not saying don't strive it's saying within there there are things that we don't have to always feel everything has to be strived for Mm. you know you can do something and then if you if you don't have to think, well, what's the outcome of this? Well, you can just do it, and it can be okay. And I think when you sometimes use some of the principles, like, say, to, you know, curiosity is a good one, or patience is a good one, and the more that we use some of these lessons or attitudes in it mindfully, it's kind of it helps you be more open, and it helps you... Um, be more comfortable in, in situations where you may not be comfortable. So I feel like when we talk about goals and striving that mindfulness is just that we're just in this state of being present all the time. It doesn't, it doesn't really work like that because we're not programmed to be present all the time. And it's, what I'd say, it's quite possible to be present all the time. It's about, everything is about a balance. There's a time to strive and there's a time that we don't have to strive. And wouldn't it be nice just not to strive for something, you know, all the time? Um, and then if you don't get, then we're not looking for a desired result all the time. You just can be there, be somewhere. I find, I find like, I've definitely tried to put myself in situations where I wouldn't normally, or forums that I wouldn't normally be in. You know, sometimes there are these types of people I would be with or hang around, but I've, I've deliberately, in some ways, just gone with that and just for what it is and not anything else, but it's just so interesting how things open and things become more curious and how we learn stuff, but it doesn't have to then be, oh, now I'm in this one, it's got to make me do this. I'm just in a forum and it is what it is. So, but then there are forums where I'm like, oh, I want to be part of this one because I want this to happen. That's okay as well, but then it's about being present in that forum. Mm. Because sometimes if we, you know, go to a meeting, we've already you know, striving to what we want from that meeting. And that's okay, but then it's about how to be present when that meeting is happening. You know, my strive is to be at the meeting and I want this, but then if we if we do that, sometimes we don't listen. Mm-hmm. You know, in that, that particular meeting, you're not listening, maybe not listening as well as you could, not being maybe patient as much as we could. And so that mindfulness practice helps us to be patient and um, open, non-judgmental. And you can imagine all of those things in a meeting when you're talking to people. If you're able to sit with that and see how what comes up and what thoughts comes up, you know how, how much sort of you know, creativity, innovation would come if we could sit with that more comfortably. Yes, yes, and that actually makes the game of life quite exciting because it's like full presence from one moment to the next rather than rushing, striving. I think non-striving is one of the principles that we're talking about right now. Yeah. Full presence is such a gift for me and for you because I'm really here for me listening and I'm, I'm showing up for you fully, right? That in itself seems a great gift rather than being with you but thinking about a hundred other things. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's listening to... And knowing you're listening to yourself. So when I, when I teach you know, mindfulness will get people to think about stuff. I say, this is about you really being self-aware of yourself. 
and knowing how you operate, how your thoughts operate, how your emotions are in yourself, because you can't control somebody else's view of the world. You can only, and, and you can't control somebody else's emotions and how they feel. You can only control, you can only manage your own through the breath. You can only manage yourself. So the more that you are self-aware of how that presents itself for you, when when you notice that, when, and it's not about it being good or bad either, because we tend to judge ourselves in that way. Oh, I feel it. Oh no. And then we, you know, it's about being embracing that, noticing when that makes us feel uncomfortable, noticing how our mind works, noticing how our body feels in all of that and trying to use those techniques to feel calm in that. So it's our self, it's a real presence of self, but there's like then an automatic, um, I suppose, because we, we're all interconnected, aren't we? So if that energy, I'm sitting present right now, you will feel that energy. Mm. You will notice that energy and you will notice the impact of that energy of me being present and actively listening to you right now or actively being quiet right now or being present because I'm able, if I've got that, that myself isn't overrunning, you know, overruling you kind of thing. Yeah, and I guess one of the challenges that comes up with being so present is um, there's like that that filter. There's a moment of recognizing the thoughts, recognizing the patterns, and that that in itself creates some challenges for being present, right? Because we have triggers, we have things that people do or say that uh, naturally trigger us to feel stressed or angry or irritated so um what would you advise on the mindful path for like becoming more present it's um it's all it's anything is practice there's nothing we could it's all about the practice so it's you may find that if patience is a big thing for you you're not patient then there's meditations you can do around patience. You know, you set that intention and you meditate around it. Um, if there's something around, you know, judgment, you judge people, there's meditation support from that and you would meditate, you'd get up and you would, wherever you, the time you can fit in the day, you're 10 minutes or you're half an hour. But the, you're doing that is like creating new neural pathways in your mind. So that is giving you the opportunity to choose a different path. And if we don't practice, then we're not creating those new pathways in our mind. So all, all we have at the moment is what we know and we go down the paths we know and sometimes we go, oh, I know what's going to happen in that situation. Oh, this has happened before. And then we just play over the same thing. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. Like, we're supposed to feel better about that. But actually, it would be great if we weren't always going down the same path all the time and we were creating new paths. Or how is that, if I was more patient, what would that bring? Or if I was more trusting, what would that bring? If I wasn't striving to get what that means. So it's about creating those new pathways. And the more you practice that, the more that you, your brain has a chance to head there. But you have to practice it, understand how it affects you, the breath, being able to meditate around that, using the mindfulness in the day informally. Um, and we say 10 minutes a day, you know, more, the more the better with anything, like anything. If you say 10 minutes a day um, of practice, it's great. And if you can do more than that, then, then brilliant. But there's no, there's no quick fixes. Um, there's no quick fixes. You can learn about it and etc. But there is no quick fixes. And I think that's great. That is not a quick fix. Why do we want it to be a quick fix? The question is why. Why can't we take our time? Why have we got to fix it now? Is it human nature 
to just do what we are familiar with, even if it's bad for us or toxic or creates problems for us. Doing what is familiar is is the default mode of operating for everyone rather than like, oh, this new way of being might be better, but it's different, unknown, scary, and takes patience and effort. It's definitely not what we're, you know, you're constantly battling against what the external environment is telling us how to be. Yeah. So when I look at mindfulness or when I teach mindfulness, I, I try and encourage people to trust what's happening in you more. Mm. Trusting you more as opposed to trusting what else is going on out there. Trust. How do we trust ourselves more? How do we become more patient with ourselves more? You know, how do we give ourselves more kindness and compassion? How, and we're not really told those things. And many things, it can sometimes be perceived as being a bit self-indulgent and, and you know, a bit selfish. But it's not, it's not all or nothing. It's a balance of things. Mm. Yeah. And we're and... nothing to no one if we're not anything to ourselves. Right. And if we are kind to ourselves, we are more likely to be kind with others. Whereas if we're harsh with ourselves, seems like we're probably not going to be so kind to others. So what's one step that someone could take to be kinder to themselves? One step to be kind <laughs> to themselves. Um, I think... Um, it's just recognizing. It's recognizing what what you think. It's recognizing how you feel. Mm. Um, I, I don't think I, I don't really come from a place of going. Well, just be kind to yourself because kind has to have some meaning for you, and mm. and you have to kind of be able to visualize what that looks like for you. You know, because mm. it's such an individual thing. The words is one thing, but to explore what that means for you is a different thing. That's what I try and help people achieve whether it be on their own or in the group experience is that what does it feel like for you non-judgmentally there is no one size fits all when it comes to how you want to live your life mindfully these are a set of principles and then it's about how you take that into your own life in whatever that looks like mm. non-judgmentally you know so I think that I think that's why mindfulness is so beautiful because as you say, it's not a cookie cutter tool. It's like each person can adapt it to what makes sense for them. And that makes it like easy for people to get into. Whereas, you know, other healing modalities, other personal development platforms um, may alienate some people. I feel like mindfulness is extremely inclusive because it can take so many different shapes or forms. Um, but uh, what, I, what I hear you saying about being kinder to the self, um, it feels like um, doing the journey of mindfulness in itself is self-care and kindness. Um, you mentioned the meditations. Maybe could you talk a little bit about them? Like how does a guided meditation work and how does it help change the way you think? Yeah, um, so the, the meditation, so typically you, when you go through sort of like the program or the experience itself, you just start off with helping people understand at the beginning the, the importance of the breath and the, the, the function of the function of the bodies. <laughs> the, the breath is your best friend. 
yeah. and it's with you all the time and sometimes we take it for granted um, and but we, we sometimes need to to understand that that's kind of the anchor for who we are and what we are but we are nothing without it literally <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so, um, so we start off by helping people understand that connection to the breath the body and the breath mm-hmm. and as you go through you know your weeks of learning which as you you'll know you then start to understand how the breath operates um, and where it sits how it makes you feel and then how that is in your body connecting to the breath and your body and, and noticing how that feels and relaxing that across your body and then we do that in movement and we do that in nature so that you start to kind of go on a bit of a journey I would say of the very basics of fundamentals of the breath and the importance of your breath and body and how to see that without it being a, maybe this aesthetic thing mm-hmm. um, the, the way that we can embrace our body um, no matter who you are what you are you know, shape, size, diverse, what does it matter? It's about how we embrace our breath and that body. This thing that we get up and move as a machine every day and how do we treat it for what for the beauty that it is, not aesthetically, but what it does for us, you know? So um, so we so we go on a journey of understanding that and then how then it presents itself when we start to go through some of those exercises that we said around um, thinking about our thoughts, thinking about real life scenarios. So we take it from that beginner's mindset, seeing things for the first time. How does it feel like to feel the breath, being aware? What does it feel like for you? And then we take it on a journey so that by the time you finish that, you know how to use it in day-to-day life. That's kind of how the sort of six-eight-week program sort of works, that you go from the, the basics through to if I'm in a situation, this is how I can use it. My short meditations, oh, each day I know I've got an opportunity to be mindful. I've got times to be at my when I'm outside, when I'm driving the car, when I'm on the train. So it's about integrating it into that um, experience of your life, really. And whatever works for you, um, no one size fits all. Mm, I have to say, since, the, um, since this year of lockdowns, and since doing the course, I've noticed now that whenever I get out of the house, I take a deep breath and it feels like the most delicious liquid, like getting outside in the fresh air after a year of experience. And I, I feel like I step out of the house and I, I breathe in fresh air from the outdoors, like so mindfully. And that's such a great way to step out of the home and and uh, I think that's probably also because I moved away from the city. So there's this like mindful appreciation, gratitude. I think gratitude is a really big part of, of the process. And the other word that I highlighted here, which, had, which came up quite a bit in the journey with you, was intuition. And um, could we talk a bit about intuition and ways to connect to it through mindfulness? What is intuition? Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I, I believe that most of the answers about anything are in ourselves already. Mm. Um, you know, we seek answers, but the actual answers are in us. So we, the, the, the principles of mindfulness about tuning into those things means that you kind of start to tune into that sort of intuition that you trust yourself more when, because you're going to go to, in that mindfulness journey, you're, trusting, you're starting to trust what you feel like and when you know you're trusting what you feel like you notice how your body is reacting in certain situ- situations or you know as you said those triggers 
and it's about leaning into that as opposed to pushing it away. Okay. So um, it's about leaning into experiences, um, it, ex- getting it to be able to express those experiences instead of suppressing and being accepting of experiences. So, um, so intuition for me is all about that real intrinsic thing inside of you when you do this over a period of time that there's like this inner comfortability, confidence. When I say confidence, confidence with yourself to, to or whatever a situation is to be okay with that. Mm. Um, you still have things that come up that will still make you angry and da da da, but it's about not beating ourselves up about things so much and causing ourselves so much damage. It's about loving ourselves a little bit more around that compassion, that gratitude, and building that around ourselves. And if we're more forgiving of ourselves, we can be more forgiving of others, and we can, you know, that whole interconnected. Uh, peace um, would be brief. Mm. <laughs> I, I just want to backtrack to when you said lean into experiences. Can you go into that a bit more? What does that mean to, when to lean into an experience? Well, you know, I find that when people are on this journey, there's uncomfortable situations that come yeah. up can come up, and our instinct can be to push it away. I know in the past. You know, I've pushed it away mm. or put it to the back of my mind because I don't want to feel yeah. that, that feel that uncomfortability of that emotional experience or pain. So we're not going through a therapy because it's not therapy per se. It's more around feeling certain things that then triggers that feel uncomfortable and sometimes we push it away. Mm. So it's about how we can use mindfulness to embrace that, know and feel that uncomfortability and to be able to sit with it to sit with it, to be, to own, to own that uncomfortability, but then able to let it go, because letting go is obviously another lesson you learn in how do you learn to let go of, of situations for what it is and, you know, what's happened has passed, and we don't say it nonchalant, like, oh, it's passed and move on, you know, just really recognising something has passed, how is that, you know, how do we accept that in a loving way and not a damaging way? And I know that when I, in the past when I've suffered from, when I used to suffer a lot from panic attacks, I recognise it's a lot of suppression of feelings and emotions. And then all the body's told me is, I've had enough of you suppressing this and I've had enough of you pushing all this stress and this cortisol into the body. This is what you will get if you keep doing this. So you need to find another way. That's really interesting what you just said, that panic attacks are mainly caused by emotions being swallowed and suppressed. So unexpressed, that would make sense because for most people, panic attacks begin with the throat closing and that's like communication and expression. So by not expressing, shutting everything down, the body will start to to panic. That's super interesting. Let's go a bit more into your own um, personal relationship to mindfulness and change then. On that note, what inspired you to study it, to teach it, and to create Calmify? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a real journey, actually. And I, I have to say, I'm loving it. <laughs> so I've had a long career. I still do it now with um, working in sort of careers, global organizations, leading change. And communications is fundamental, and leading that through people has been fundamental through that in my career. But after going through my own personal challenges, as I mentioned, anxiety, panic attacks, and and losing my brother as well, 
um, mindfulness kind of became sort of my best friend, really, because I think when that overspill over of trauma uh, in your life, a lot of trauma happening all at the same time or a period of time, um, I find that mindfulness was the, the thing that kept me as my forever friend, really, because it taught me to be present with what was happening. Um, and by being present with it more and understanding what's happening now more and trying to be kind to myself more has helped manage that as well. So I decided um, to become a mindfulness teacher because um, I, I loved doing it so much and was just briefing in the benefits, especially in the pandemic, I noticed how much I just wasn't reacting to everything that's going on. You know, um, I, I noticed that, I could see that what was happening, but I was able to, you know, embrace those moments of being out in nature, in the quietness, and something that we've never experienced before. So I just noticed that I wasn't in the same headspace, maybe, as everybody else. You definitely had the concerns and worries about what it's doing, but I just didn't have the reactions and the stresses, maybe, like, everyone else and that's because I was able to, I had tools and techniques to help me live in the now. So even post, they call it coming out of pandemic, who knows, um, I don't even look at it like that anymore. You know, I don't look at like, are we going to be coming out of it? I don't even think about whether we're going to be coming about, out of it. Um, I just look at what I can do kind of now and things I can do to make sure I look after myself, help look after others, dedicate my time now to helping others, as you know, and just, you know, started to create that calming by experience. So, um, and, I, and I like that because I feel like when people are on this journey and we're on it together, which is what I love, whether it be on a one-to-one basis or whether it's a group, um, I feel like if people go through an experience and we're going through that experience together, as opposed to me just like teaching the techniques and then off we go, I feel like it's a real togetherness um, and it's inclusive and, and it's a safe place really for everyone to practice, to practice together without it being um, intrusive, you know, mm. you share share what you want to share, if you don't want to share, it's fine, it's not, it's, it's really a freedom of, of that um, and, you know, less rules as well, you know, a place to be a space where there's not all these rules and stipulations on how things should be. It's about so, um, so I've been teaching that, really enjoying it. You know, this year I've been really focused on seeing how I can make it more um, accessible to people. And as you know, I've been offering, you know, free programs, real low-cost programs, and things like that. And um, and most recently in the workplace as well now, which has been brilliant, and helping you know people who companies and things who have to think about that for their employees. Um, from a well-being space, but also then from a, you know, actual practical space as well, because lots of businesses naturally look for that. You guess it's great to be well, and then it's that piece of how do you make it work in, in the working life as well, and obviously if you don't work. So, yeah, it has many, many ways it can be formed. I, I can imagine that mindfulness being introduced into the workplace as well as in schools would absolutely change the culture, because if people are paying more attention to their thoughts, their words, and their actions, it's a better environment for everybody, right? There's more compassion. And I think loving kindness seems to be like at the core of what you're teaching. It seems to be at the core of mindfulness. It, um, 
did mindfulness grow out of Buddhism or where did it originate? Because loving kindness is also like a core Buddhist teaching. So is there a relationship between Buddhism and mindfulness or is it a separate, completely separate thing? Um, well, mindfulness essentially comes from that Buddhist tradition. Yeah. Um, and then when uh, John Kabat-Zinn um, decided to you know, bring it to Western society, it was kind of taking those principles and then you know, making it more accessible so Western society can relate to that because mm. it's, it, I would say, you know, people will say, well, how are you going to sit down for hours if you're a Buddhist monk, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, in our Western society, we don't get the opportunity to do that, you know, to sit for weeks on end or whatever or something. But, um, so it's about how can we use these principles that are from this Buddhist tradition and bring it to Western society uh, so that we can access the tools and the way of this way of life in a way that's accessible for people that understand what fits in with that culture, the Western culture. Mm. And I definitely try and bridge both of those because for me, if you were sitting, you know, on the you know, fullest spectrum of the spiritualist side of things, even if you just take those words itself and what they mean, without having all of this, if you could really tune into those lessons and attitudes, that's intuitive really. Yeah. You know, those words that, you know, the, the trust, the compassion, non-judgment, was, if everybody was to live like that without having to go through this program, you know, that would be brilliant. However, we, we live in a Western society where we are, you know, always bombarded with information, external stimuli, um, how we're supposed to be, what status looks like, what life looks like, what success looks like. Um, and it's we sometimes have relied on that to live. Um, and then when that doesn't present itself the way you want it to, that becomes really stressful. Um, so really with the mindfulness, it means that you can just um, trust yourself more and make those better decisions more for yourself, be in tune with yourself more, so that you can sit in this type of world and not let everything affect you, you know? Um, something, you know, it will affect you, fix me. I'm, I'm human, I don't walk around. I say to people, I do not walk around in some zen-like state. I have a young child, but, you know, there are definitely times where I'm like, what are you doing? I am going, no, I'm not going to do You know, and, and funnily enough, I do use this, <laughs> I do use, like, some of my meditations literally verbally when I'm with, when I'm with him, when he's not getting dressed, at, when I want him to get dressed and get the pyjamas on bedtime and tumbling around and thinks it's playtime and I'm like, okay, and I, I'm going to use my stop meditation and I go, and I see, see what's happening here, think, think what's happening here, observe, proceed. And when I use that, it's funny enough, he now goes, oh, stop, 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 think, 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 observe, proceed, and he doesn't fully, but he, he does the actions, he might not fully know, but it's funny because he sees me go, because I'm angry myself, but I can see myself in a blur on my top. Yeah. Tired, and you're just like, get dressed. You know, so it's like any, like any situation, but with him, I, I really sometimes try and, I don't do it all the time, obviously, but <laughs> I, I literally sometimes just, because I can feel it, I can feel like the tension when you're just
<laughs> oh my God. I love that. I needed to hear that today. Cause obviously we're going through like summer holidays, kids at home oh, all day man. long. So this is a tip for mindful parenting, which in itself yeah. is a big, I, I think that that in itself could be a great course, mindful parenting. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I have been asked about it a few times actually while doing mindful parenting. Right. So stop stands for S but yeah, so what I say, S is for C, C, see what's happening. S, C, see what's happening. Yes, S is for C, T is for think. T think. is for think. Yeah. Make sense of it. What's what I see? Observe. 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 <laughs> what's actually going on here? Yeah. And then proceed. P, proceed. Yes, appropriately. Oh my God, I love it. That would buy me time to react rationally. It's like, it's really testing me this, this summer yeah. holiday, um, yeah. like day after day, it's like something yeah. challenging me to stay calm and mindful. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then unfortunately, I personally can like fall into like feeling like a failure over and over again. And that's probably a waste of space instead to use these tools to be like, I can do this mindfully and stop. But it's also going, it's hard. It's hard to do that as well. And it's about then being kind to ourselves and not looking for, you know, what we think things should be all the time. You know, mm. it would be lovely to be this calm parent all the time and mindful. But, it, you know, it's absolutely not the case with me and my, well, with my situation. But what it does is it's helped me. Mm. It's helped me find that sense of calm, when I can, but it's not the t- I don't do it all the time, you know? That's yeah. just human nature, but I'm glad to have it because I know to sit, I can put a pause in sometimes, and when I do that, I always think, I wish I could do that more. Yeah. And the practice, I wish I could do it more because when I do put that pause and I'm thinking, really, he's probably only going to be throwing his pajamas around for another 30 seconds, maybe a minute, maybe another two minutes. Yeah. I will and sometimes without that pause, it will continue for more than half an hour. Like the more worked up we get, yeah. the more out of yeah. presence we get, the more yeah. the drama escalates. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. You know, I think that whenever I do do about the top and I do that pause and just sit sort of quiet quietly and observe what's actually happening. You know, he, he just calms down and just gets a bit bored of what he's doing. But the, when the frenzy comes in, he's like, yeah, let's do the frenzy then, yeah. <laughs> 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 ah, we should get our kids together. <laughs> and then we can say, stop, see, yeah. think, observe, proceed. proceed. Yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> um, so um, is there anything else you want people to know about you? Or about mindfulness or about change? You know, just, I just say try it, try it, you know, it's not for everybody, it's absolutely not for everybody, so it's, you know, like, it's not, I won't see it the best not everybody, you know, because everybody's different, so it's about just trying it, um, mm. I've had real cynics do, uh, I love when, when I, you know, have people who are really cynical around, um, um, when I did my very first pilot program, I had people who were just really cynical because I really needed that sort of um, someone who just doesn't really get it, you know? Uh, people who 
people who don't really get it, people who, you know, maybe not really that in tune to their emotions, very practical. But they, I've just noticed a little sh the shift in the in how they are and a bit kinder in their homes and things and a bit kinder to themselves and that has a bit of extra self-care. So I've just noticed the switch and it's and even they've noticed that surprisingly for themselves. So it's not like you, you know, you come out, you're like, oh my God, it's changed my whole life because it's a journey. It teaches you how to do it, and then the rest is is down to you. So, you know, I, I would just say, just try it. That's all. Um, there's nothing to lose. Agreed, agreed. And on that note, I don't know if you remember, but I had mentioned it would be amazing if you could read a poem for our podcast because that was one of my favorite bits about our sessions each week. There was a beautiful poem that related to the teaching of the week. I loved them all. And I loved the way you read them as well as the message within them. So I don't know. I, I should have really reminded you just before we recorded. But if you do you have anything to hand that, that you'd like to read? Two seconds. Yes. No problem. Okay. So whilst Kareem goes off to get a poem. Okay. So if you can introduce it, like say the name of it and who it's by, that would be great. Absolutely. So, one of my favourites here is um, The Paradox of Our Age by the Dalai Lama. Mm. So, we'll just take a moment to be here in this present moment and just to listen to these words and breathe and just to be here for this moment, this precious moment where we have. We have bigger houses, but smaller families, more conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment. We have more experts, but more problems, more medicines, but less healthiness. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but have trouble crossing the street to meet the new neighbor. We built more computers to hold more information to produce more copies than ever, but have less communication. We have become long on quantity and short on quality. There are times of fast food but slow digestion, a tall man but short character, steep profits but shallow relationships. It's a time when there is much in the window but nothing in the room. It's not enough to be busy, so are the ants. The question is, what are we busy about? Henry David Thoreau. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah, the question is, what are we busy about? Yes, to be mindful about how we busy ourselves and how we miss out on what's happening right in front of us when we're so busy busying ourselves. That's a really beautiful note to end this on. I think um, before we say goodbye, um, do you want to put out some websites, ways that people can reach out to you, um, to work with you, or to do your course? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, on the Carmify UK. I'm up there. And I'm also my website, www.carmify.co.uk. And you'll find me there as well. So yeah, come and join the ride. Uh, 
I, you know, it really was an adventure. I, I'm sad that it's over and I'm so happy we can kind of connect this way at the end of the journey um, to have a talk about it. It was a beautiful experience and I, I really wish these tools were taught to young people in high school. I think the world yeah. would be a different place and, and, you know, I will just keep saying that to people until I see it happening. <laughs> That's the change I want to see. I want to see young people taught these kind of life skills. So I, I hope that you can bring these courses into schools. It's something I, especially post-pandemic, yeah, I feel like mental say, health. Yeah. It's definitely on the on the radar. So yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's making sure. You know, the biggest thing for me is to always be able to feel like I can be the best that I can be. And when you do things when the time feels right, you know, when I said about leaning into that intuition. Leaning in, leaning in, yeah. The world is saying to you, you you know, you need to do this, you need to do But I want to make sure it's the right energy. You know, you need to be present for people, I need to be present for people. So it's always about when the energy feels that is giving me what it needs to be able to do that. So, yeah, yeah but I would watch, I have been asked a few times that I, 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 maybe, the, maybe the, the universe is telling me something here. And I'm in a private room, um, but I can see there's an office across the hall that says, like, well-being in schools. So maybe I'll just go say hi to them after this and tell them about our interview. <laughs> I hope we can cross paths again. I'd love to, like, at some point do a workshop or a retreat with you. I see us, like, it would be so amazing if we could come in, into real life at some point. And, and, um, I think it's going to happen. I think it's on the cards. I'm definitely into it and, and into helping people on their own mindful journeys. Thank you very much for making time to do this with me today. Um, and yes, I'm going to miss you on the weekly, on the weekly check-ins. So keep posting content, please. <laughs> Falling